It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome along to the Gagan Pod Match Day Edition after the first round of 16 games. Well, I say the first. I mean, there was a pretty big gap between the first and the last, of course, but we're back in the Champions League, and it's great to be back. It's been far too long. Simon Hill and Luke Wilkshire are alongside me. You'll hear from Jules Breach and Dave Weiner in a moment on the Gagan Pod. Uh, Simon Hill, first of all, uh, welcome again. Thank uh, you. I feel like we've welcomed you about uh, 48 <laughs> times. We'll keep doing no, just it, Just keep though. going. It's nice. <laughs> exactly. Your first call for Optus Sport this morning alongside uh, Scotty McDonald as Manchester City made their way through to the final eight. Uh, how'd you enjoy it? Very much so. Um, you know, calling this level of competition is, is always uh, a pleasure because you, you're literally watching and calling the names of the best players in the world. So uh, terrific. Uh, helped, of course, that it was my own little personal club that uh, happened to feature in the first game, which was a little bit strange. But, um, yeah, it was a terrific game, and um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed working alongside Scott McDonald. He's, he's a total pro. Obviously, he's played in that competition, played at that level, so he understands it. And, uh, yeah, all in all, it's, it was a very, very pleasant experience. I'm looking forward to many more. I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that wonder how on earth you can commentate on your own team. And, of course, when they won, they scored two goals. Yeah. I mean, how... Is there any inner turmoil there, or can you put all that aside? I think during the 90 minutes of a, of a game, you you are detached from it because you're focused on the job, and you know you want to get the call right. That's the most important thing. Look, of course I'm pleased City won. I'm from Manchester. I grew up a City fan. Of course I'm pleased. But I think also having that detachment from the UK for a long time, I've been in Australia for 17 years, um, let me tell you, when I was younger, I was, yeah, I mean, that, that, that would have been very difficult when I was younger, but I'm a bit older these days, so you sort of calm down a bit, don't you? I think. <laughs> no longer one of the, no longer still, one of the. I'm still young. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, you're still yeah, acting thanks, the uh, hooligan, um, whereas Simon was once the hooligan on the Kipax terraces at Main Road. Uh, I guess Manchester City deserved their place in the final eight. As much about what they did a few months ago at the Bernabeu as, as this morning, Luke, your impressions overall? I mean, the story clearly is Raphael Varane, isn't it? Yeah, look, they did over the over the two legs and, and, and that game today, I think they were... They were clearly deserved winners. I think, um, you know, funny enough how it had actually come about is, is a fantastic performance from Varane for Manchester City. <laughs> uh, you know, two 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 errors that, that shouldn't be happening at this level of football, mm. um, I don't think. But look, Manchester City, they pressed, uh, they forced the mistakes and, you know, credit to them, they, they deserve to go through. It's amazing how post-game Rafa Varane dominates the whole narrative. I mean, he's come out and actually taken responsibility for the defeat. Everybody pre-game was talking about whether Eder Militao was up to the same standard as Sergio Ramos. Well, it's hard to know because Rafa Varane was the man in the spotlight. Uh, City, uh, they can win this tournament, surely, Simon. Well, they can, but a lot of other clubs can win it as well. You know, there's still the likes of Bayern Munich, uh, Barcelona, Napoli, Atalanta, who a lot of people are talking about this year, um, and Lyon, of course, who City have got to face, you know, in the next round 
in uh, in Lisbon, <clears throat> and and the fact that they've knocked out Juventus, uh, you know, should serve as a warning, I think, to City and other clubs in Europe that you tend to look at the, the, these results in terms of history and go, oh, well, that's good because we're not playing Juventus, but this team has just beaten Juventus, so they're theoretically better than Juventus. So there's a long way to go yet, but can they win it? Yeah, of course they can. They've got some terrific players. And I thought over the course of the two legs, agree with Luke, very professional performance. And, and credit to Pep Guardiola as well. Got his tactics spot on, both legs. Well, let's get the thoughts of our sideline eyes and ears. Jules Breach was at the Etihad for us. Uh, Jules joins us. First of all, Jules, where are you? Are you in the car on the way home? Uh, tell us about your evening post-game. Yeah, I am. I'm in the car heading back down to London now. So I've got about a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour journey home. Um, and, of course, because of this COVID world that we're living in now, um, trains aren't particularly the safest way to get home. So... I'm just sat in the back of a car, uh, getting chauffeur-driven. I feel very posh. This is a bit fancy for me. Um, but this is um, a nice, comfortable way and a safe way to get back down to London. But, um, yeah, I've, I've got about three hours. So if you, if you want to stay on the line for me for three hours to keep your company, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> Jules, Simon here. We haven't spoken before, but um, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that the M6 is still as bad as ever because uh, I'm from Manchester. <laughs> and I'm intrigued to know that television people these days actually get chauffeur-driven cars. Now, that wasn't the case <laughs> 20 <laughs> years ago. I've obviously moved out the wrong time, seriously. Have you got a Bentley? Oh, Simon, sort it out. Sort it out. You've got, you got to buy Richard Bayless some more chocolates and he'll, he'll do it for you. <laughs> Don't give away the secrets, Jules, whatever you do. <laughs> Tell us about, uh, I mean, usually you'd be sitting in a car going home with your ears ringing. You know, you would have had this amazing sound reverberating around the Etihad or any stadium after a European night. You don't have that, but I suppose you had a really unique view of the, the sights and sounds that happen on the sideline in particular, and particularly when one player is making so many errors and there are two very different reactions on the bench. Take us through what you saw tonight. Yeah, you know what? As, as football fans, we we don't like the idea of games being played behind closed doors and, and the fact that there's no atmosphere in the stadium because there's, there's not the, the fans there to be cheering their players on and, and be booing the opposition and all of those noises that we kind of love to hear, especially on European nights where the atmosphere really makes the game because there are always evening games and there's that extra excitement around the matches and especially when it gets to this, this final stage of, of the competition where it's knockout games and that atmosphere really fills as you, as you go through the competition. But actually, as a journalist, it's almost just as fascinating going, going to games at the moment because they're so different and you get to really experience, I guess, more so what it's like maybe for a player to go to these matches because you can hear what the players are saying to each other, what the coaches are saying. The, the noises that you hear in the stadium are, are, are just things that you kind of you would have never known about unless you'd gone to a game that was behind closed doors, if that makes sense. So things like the managers screaming it at their players from the technical area, the ball leaving Kevin De Bruyne's foot tonight, and obviously when you when you're watching some of the best players in the world on the pitch, and you get to kind of hear the way they talk to each other, and and as you say seeing and hearing the players on the bench as well, kind of reacting to everything that's happening on the pitch is, is fascinating to see. And particularly 
the Real Madrid bench were so vocal tonight. And you could, I mean, obviously with Sergio Ramos not able to play because of his suspension, he was almost kicking every single ball with his teammates from, from the bench. And it was kind of an odd thing to see because he was wearing a waistcoat and trousers. I'm sure you've all seen the picture. So he was dressed really smartly, but yeah, it felt like he was almost out on the pitch with, with the players that with how involved he was. And Marcelo was also one of the other Real Madrid players who was particularly vocal from the bench as well. He seemed really frustrated and, and really annoyed, actually, um, which is understandable because at that point, coming to the final kind of 10 minutes of the game, they pretty much knew that the, the match was out of out of their reach at that stage. So, yeah, it was um, it, it's fascinating kind of going to these games the way they are. And, and obviously things are really different around the stadium. Things have, are done very kind of well, though, for, for what the situation is. We've all got to wear face covering. It's very strict. There's a one-way system around around the stadium. There was one point where we tried to go through one door to get to a lift because it was closer than walking all the way around to get to another lift. And they were like, no, no, you're not allowed through here. And so we had to walk all the way back around. And, you know, they are very strict and, and making sure that everyone that is attending these matches is as safe as possible. There's hand sanitizer bloody everywhere be honest it's, it's almost like every 10 steps you take there's another bit of hand sanitizer you have to use but but it's good and you know i have i felt pretty safe and protected when i've been at these matches as well which is a good thing from a working perspective too but um yeah it certainly is a different experience to a usual uh, champions league night so jules I'd, I'd just like to hear you elaborate on the kind of things that the the managers and the players were saying on the bench because I know myself, um, you know, being a, a coach now. What do you and, say, Luke? Yeah, well, <laughs> can't repeat it here. <laughs> do we need to get the bleep button ready <laughs> because I I had the incident just last week, uh, our first game back. My father's my team manager, funny enough, and he's he was on the on the other side of the fence behind me, and I had my um, my niece was there watching the game. And I uh, wasn't happy with something that was going on and she wasn't far behind me. My father's actually giving us some money and pushing her away not to listen to what I was saying. <laughs> to go to the canteen to get something to drink. <laughs> what were they saying? Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is there, there is some, um, some colourful language, uh, let's call it, uh, which you do hear the commentators have to apologise for at the moment on, on the TV coverage, don't you? Because occasionally they can pick up actual proper words from from the players and the coaches and, and you can hear the, the kind of swear words on the telly which is obviously um, entertaining I think for, for some fans but um, obviously not exactly what the broadcasters want to be putting out there but yeah it, it, in terms of actual specifics I can't really say specifically what they're saying but just it's a lot more than what I would expect obviously you when you're watching these games on TV or even at normal matches when where watching from the stand, you can see that the managers are, are kind of in their technical area and they're, they're, they're speaking. But I don't know why. I never really expected that they would talk quite as constantly as they are. It, it, all, it was almost a constant flow of speech throughout the whole match from Pep Guardiola, not as much from Zinedine Zidane. He was a little bit quieter than, than Pep in the first half. But from Pep Guardiola, he almost spoke the entire time and was like constantly telling them to move the ball and, and, and pass a different player or, you know, push up or get tighter and stuff like that. That's what the sort of things that I could hear. Um, yeah, it's really interesting kind of hearing those those things during a game because we don't normally get to, to see that and hear that. 
Jules, there, there is a school of thought, and I know this having spoken to some of my friends over in the UK, that because of the break for COVID and the fact that spectators are not allowed in the stadiums, some of them feel as though they, when we're eventually allowed back into the ground, some of them feel as though they might have sort of got out the habit a little bit and they've sort of found other things to do. And do you sense that being over in the UK that, you know, the interest has not necessarily dropped off because it never will in football uh, to any great extent, but the people have just sort of, I don't know, reframed their their priorities a little bit. Do do you think we're going to have the same feel around the Premier League, the Champions League, all these big competitions when, when fans are eventually allowed back in? Do you know what, Simon? I actually think it's the complete opposite. I think fans are so desperate to be back in the stadiums. I, I know that as a fan myself, I cannot wait to be allowed to go and, and watch my team play again. Who's your and team, I, Jules? I, Brighton. Brighton. You must know that by now. <laughs> well, he's asking um, because no. sometimes it's Liverpool, Jules. We don't quite know. <laughs> Yeah, my, my, my two Premier League teams. Um, I'll hopefully be able to make it to both stadiums at some stage. But um, yeah, no, it's, I just can't wait to, to get back to the stadium. And I think that that buzz is definitely still there from, from the English fans. Well, definitely from all of my friends that I speak to. And, and I think like even tonight, leaving the stadium, there were quite a few Manchester fans that were outside the stadium afterwards, which I know, you know, some some people say it's not respecting social distancing, but there were like there weren't huge amounts, but there were a few clusters of fans outside. There was probably about eight city fans right by the gate as I was coming out, and they had a huge Manchester City banner. Um, and I they told my dad not to do every- that. <laughs> I told my dad to stay away. <laughs> <laughs> they were chanting as you know there were there were quite a few fancy cars leaving the stadium, and I think that wasn't mine, by the way. Uh, that was uh, all the players as they were heading out of the stadium. I saw Gundogan leaving in his big Range Rover and there were a lot of fans sort of crowding around the cars and getting selfies with him as, as he was heading out. So, yeah, there was, there was quite a few fans and they're obviously excited to be into the next stage of the competition. They're so desperate to win the Champions League, aren't they, Man City? So, um, yeah, I think, I think there is still a buzz, Simon, that um, I don't think is left. I think that we all want to see fans back in the stadium as soon as it's safe and, and able to happen. I've heard that they're going to start introducing it in the UK around October time. Hopefully, fingers crossed, that that is the case. But that will only be home fans. And that is only what I've heard for the Premier League. I'm not so sure how they're going to do things in the Champions League. But it, it'll be a, a kind of slow process to getting back to complete normality. But I can't wait to see fans back in the stadium because as much as from a journalistic perspective, it's interesting seeing matches like I did tonight, but it, it's nowhere near the same experience of, of going to games with a full stadium. Well, Jules, as much as we are pumped for the remainder of the Champions League here on Sport, sadly, you won't be part of it. I mean, given the restrictions between travelling and not travelling, etc., it means that we have to bid you adieu for this season at least. So uh, thanks for all your efforts, of course. And, uh, you know, make sure you're comfortable on that drive home. You know, maybe get a nice pillow and, you know, see if you can maybe stop for a massage or something. They probably have a massage option in that particular car. But uh, it's been great to have you on board as always. And uh, we hope to catch up soon. Thanks, Rich. I know. I don't know how Mark Schwarzer managed to get himself out to Portugal. How did he manage to get that job, eh? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we can't say that in public. I can't give away the secrets. 
He just, he just, said, to the, he just said to the passport them. officer, don't you know who I am? <laughs> he's, he's pulled that one before, Jules. So <laughs> good on you, Jules. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Cheers. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, Jules has been uh, brilliant all season long for us and uh, having seen Manchester City dismantle over two legs Real Madrid now, of course, the focus uh, turns to Leon in just a few days' time. I mean, I can't get my head around, Luke, the fact that Leon got through that tie having not played any football by one competitive match for all of five months. Juve, though, let's be honest, were pretty leggy the last few weeks. Is that a result of that, do you think? I believe so. I think um, Leon obviously had a game plan. They had obviously a goal up from the first leg and, you know, they were more desperate. You know, Juventus off the back of the Scudetto, uh, a little bit sluggish to start. You know, look, there was, there was a case of two penalties that weren't penalties. They were shocking decisions, weren't yeah, they? I, I can't understand how they can get these decisions wrong yeah. in the Champions League. Look, that, that's costly for Juventus. If those, both those penalties don't get given, it ends up 1-0 Juventus and they're in extra time. Those decisions are being given with VAR as an option as well, Simon, which is the most remarkable thing. I rest my case. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, you don't need to say anymore. If VAR is available, if VAR is looking at those decisions, how can you not even review it? Well, it's not clear and obvious. <laughs> it's a well, square up, though. It's a good old-fashioned square up, yeah, isn't ma- it? Maybe it's because they were just so blatant. They just went... Well, it has to be, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though, because watching it uh, on the, I guess, the wide shot of the first one, I, I was watching it with Luke and I said, oh, that's a pen. Just because of the way that mm. uh, Bentenko's flown in, maybe so the angle, it, it looks so much like a, a penalty in real time. I mean, the, the replays yeah. are the complete opposite. But I'm not going to make excuses for VAR because it's there. It's an option. Well, you see, that, that's the thing. If it looks like a penalty in real time and the referee gives it, I think... Okay, afterwards, coaches and fans and players will whinge about a decision. We, we all get that because we all, let's be honest, we all watch a game like this with one eye closed for our team. The problem with VAR is when you have it, you've got to get every single one right. Yeah. There's no room for error because that's what it's there to prevent. So I, I'm personally, this is why I've always been against VAR. I like goal, goal line technology because that's black and white. Ball's over the line or it's not. But with, with VAR, there's so many subjective things in the laws of the game that if you go to VAR, you've got to get it right and everybody's got to agree that it's right. And that is never going to happen in football, ever. So it's pointless. Utterly pointless, <laughs> as we've seen this morning. Yep, and this, it, will, it will go on. And well, we know go, that. Yeah, it goes on to another human's error, doesn't it, in their judgment? Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. So you still, you know, you can build as many fancy machines and spend millions of dollars on it if you want, but you still got to have a human being to operate it and interpret it, interpret what it's doing. Yep. My highlight of that game um, didn't happen on the pitch. It was Maurizio Sarri lighting up a dart. I just love the <laughs> fact that he can do that. And the, the big shame is that he won't be there for the remainder of the Champions League. I sense that he might be in a bit of trouble as well, Luke. I mean, yeah, they won the Scudetto. They only won it by one point in the end. They got it done early. But 
to knock out at this stage, it's not going to go down well. It won't go down well. And, um, you know, that's disappointing. And I think to go out this early in the Champions League and also the fact that they've, no no offence to Leon, but they've gone out to Leon. The way that they'll interpret that and see that, that'll be a big foul. Look, they got rid of Max Allegri because he hadn't delivered them Champions League success. That's what Surrey was brought in to provide. So, all right, two and two doesn't always, you know, equal five, but you'd say that he's be, he's got to be in a bit of trouble. And I, look, I think personally, the fact that they, they've won nine Scudettos in a row is not helping them. I'm not saying that Serie A is uncompetitive. There are good sides in Serie A. Atalanta, uh, Napoli, less so this season, but... Uh, you know, there are good teams in Serie A, but the fact that they're so dominant domestically, I don't think it helps. I, th- I think you'd, you've got to have that edge. Mm. Um, and also, I think they're a little bit over-reliant on Cristiano Ronaldo, or, or maybe tailor their style of play for him a little bit too much. Well, that's absolutely been borne out the last couple of years yeah. because he scored all seven of their goals in the knockout stage of the Champions League since he's been there in two seasons where they've underperformed. So, yep, they need to move on. Paolo Dybala is probably the man for their future. You would have said he spent all of about 10 minutes on the pitch tonight. He was injured, so it really didn't go to plan. Let's uh, turn our attention to the remaining games in the round of 16 and hear from Dave Weiner. Dave, of course, not only being our sports editor at Optus Sport, but is also a Chelsea fan. And as we spoke about with Simon earlier, we are allowed to admit who we support. Uh, me being Leeds and Luke being Wollongong Wolves. Dave, obviously <laughs> such a big challenge in front of Chelsea tomorrow. I asked John Aloisi this week, did Chelsea have a chance? He said, no, I don't think anyone's giving them a, a sniff. What do you think? Well, we got a, a greetings, by the way, guys, from... Uh from Life in Quarantine as well. It was great to watch this morning and I missed, missed you guys in, in the studio. But um, I've got to take my cues from Frank Lampard, right? He said, uh, uh, we believe we can win, otherwise we shouldn't be there. Uh, not really. Uh, I think <laughs> he doesn't have a choice. Yes, we go finish the second leg. Um, no, this is going to be a, a walk in the park for Bayern Munich, unfortunately. And I know I should be picking up this game because it's on off the sport, Premier League side against the Bundesliga champions. But uh, the 3-0 at Stamford Bridge all those months ago was a real lesson. Um, for Chelsea in lesser games in the Premier League recently. It's been that high of lots of possession, um, erratic chances, but then just letting chances through at the back against Bayern, who were just so ruthlessly punished and exposed um, that you can't see anything else other than that. Um, tomorrow, unless Bayern take their foot off the gas, which is very well possible, Chelsea have about 10 players that are possibly in doubt. They're talking about potentially three debutants, if not in the 11 and in the squad. So it is just hard to see. What I hope after the FA Cup disappointment is that the season can end in some sort of decent way to at least put some momentum into the, the exciting restart into next season where Timo Werner, Hakim Zayek will be there, plus potentially some more signings. But uh, it's just going to be really interesting to see whether they can find some defensive solidity, which has just been missing for so long. Well, I mean, hopefully for Frank, the season will end. Otherwise, his head will explode at the lack of off-season, as we know. But let's turn our attention to Bayern, Luke, because surely they're, they're at worst joint favourites, you would have said, with Manchester City, not only because of the quality they have and the position they're in in the Champions League, but the way in which they finished in the Bundesliga under Hansi Flick was unbelievable. Yeah, 100%. I think um, everybody's talking about Bayern being one of the favourites and you know, obviously... The sort of football they're playing, the the strike force they've got, they're phenomenal. Um, Germans being the Germans, they're they're well drilled, they're fit, uh, they're organised, and 
you know, they put Chelsea to the sword, didn't they, over at Stamford Bridge, and, and now at home, you don't you don't give them a hope. Could have been more than three, probably should have been. Uh, yeah. Alfonso Davies down the left, how quick is he? He's unbelievable. You look all over the pitch, they've got, they've got quality, you know, Lewandowski is just scoring goals for fun, for fun, and you, you look at the Chelsea defence that's been leaking, uh, he must be leaking his legs right now. You know, it's, it's got to be written in the stars, hasn't it, that it's Bayern Manchester City in the final, because Uli Hoeneß hates Manchester City, <laughs> Bayern Munich hates yeah. Manchester City for this, uh, you know, court case that they took up with, with Cass, they've been so vocal about it, it's it's... Just written in the stars, isn't it? Well, new money, isn't it? That's the that's the problem. <laughs> exactly. You're new not worried about Simon's old money. new money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sadly, they will meet in the semi, which oh, I guess is true. the only problem. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, that side of the draw, you would actually say, is the stronger, yeah. I would imagine, because also in there is Napoli and Barcelona. Dave, putting your journalistic hat on, which actually I've never seen you without that particular hat on. Uh, Messi, his comments at the moment are fascinating because Barcelona are all over the shop, but Napoli have been pretty average as well under Gattuso. Yeah, they won a cup final, but really inconsistent. Surely at home, Barca just win tomorrow. Well, I think they're 35 unbeaten at Camp Nou in the Champions League. So if they don't, Setien is probably going to join Mauricio Sarri looking for another job uh, in in the off-season because it will be an absolute scandal. Even though, you know, Gattuso, I love his talk before the game. This is going to be a classic club final approach from Napoli, who have shown under him they can bunker in. They showed in the first leg. They can produce a performance, even though it has been inconsistent all year, of course, with Carlo Ancelotti paying the price uh, in the first half of the season. It would be a scandal of... The, the, the papers will be all over it in, in Barcelona if they cannot get the job done here. The expectations are sky high, but they just finished the season in just such abysmal form that even Lionel Messi came out and publicly criticised his team and said they will not be able to progress that will improve their form. So there's plenty of speculation about the lineup. Will Antoine Griezmann be included? Because they've just been so dysfunctional in the last couple of weeks. Wouldn't it be amazing if we lost Barcelona and Real Madrid to Leon and Napoli at this point of the competition? That, that's almost impossible to fathom. Um, but there's going to be plenty of theatre tomorrow uh, either way. Dave, just, just on Barcelona, you mentioned Leo Messi. doesn't appear to be very... Happy at the club at uh, the moment. And, of course, they've lost Arthur, their midfielder, the Brazilian, who signed for Juventus in a swap deal with uh, Pjanic, who comes next year. Um, But he's decided he's not coming back and playing for Barca, which I think speaks volumes. They're without uh, Sergio Busquets, who's suspended. Arturo Vidal is suspended as well. I mean, I think they're down to like their last 13, 14 senior players, which is... For a club of Barcelona's size, and they've they reckon they've lost something like two hundred million over the the COVID period. This is a you know for Barcelona, this is almost crisis time, isn't it? I know that's a big word for a club that's potentially going to be in the quarterfinals of the Champions League this time tomorrow. But um, there are, there are a few worrying signs about that club at the moment. Well, it doesn't take long for a scandal in Spain, does it? I mean, I still remember at one point this year we were sitting and talking to Gillian Balagay on, on scores on Sunday about Zidane getting the sack. Uh, and then a couple of weeks later, you know, you get the pressure's on Barcelona. So things do move quickly in, in Spain. But the, the bottom line is it's not a happy camp at all. There's always political implications with it there too. But what you said about the squad depth is so important because it just shows the mismanagement of how this club has built, been built up in recent years. And it's almost crescendo to this moment where, where they've wasted their money, so to speak, on someone like Antoine Griezmann, 
with players that maybe they didn't necessarily need and spent a lot of money on, and then they got this gross imbalance in their squad coming into this game. So there'll be hell to pay if they don't go through. A lot of it, I think, Seti in is probably uh, you know the wrong man at the wrong time in the sense that um, he's only had them for six months, and you know if he didn't get on to a good note with Messi. Um, it was never going to end too well there. He obviously isn't guilty for the mismanagement of the squad. But it would just be amazing to see whether he can set it up tomorrow in a way to get the best out of them. Because he could not after COVID. It is fascinating, though, that when things are going wrong for one of Barcelona and Real Madrid, the other seem to go okay. And maybe it's an omen for Barca that things will turn around now that Real Madrid are out. And of course, everyone's talking about Rafa Varane's efforts. So maybe that's a good sign for them, but uh, we'll find out very soon enough. Dave, uh, thanks for joining us. Just remember, mate, that uh, in quarantine, every now and then, just open a window, whatever you do. Just, you don't want you losing your marbles. Oh, well, that's what, you know, while well, you guys are all dolled up, I'm still in my pyjamas, so I better go get ready for the day after this, actually. <laughs> There's a picture. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we've got, we got one sideline reporter in a, in a fancy car, and we've got some, uh, you know, a sports editor expert in his pyjamas. But either way, it's been great to have you, Dave. We'll catch up with you soon. Good chatting, as always. Have a good day, guys. Cheers, Dave. Dave Weiner there with uh, the mental image for everyone listening to the pod. We're just about out of time on this match day edition of the Gagan Pod. Quick tips, I reckon, gents, looking ahead to tomorrow. Um, how do you see the two ties going? One of them seems like a foregone conclusion, Luke, but uh, let's play the game anyway. Yeah, no, look, I've got to stick with what I said before. Uh, on set, I think Paris Saint-Germain, although Atalanta have been phenomenal, I think um, they're gassing out. They've had a, had a massive year, and I think um, PSG coming in fresh. I think you're jumping. I think you're jumping the gun. Yes, I was going to say. Jeez, they're not playing for another few days yet. <laughs> so we got Chelsea, Chelsea, Bayern, and um, Napoli, Barcelona. <laughs> Stick with those. For yeah. <laughs> Too many games, mate. It's coming back. All these Champions League games. And I mean, it's good to get your thoughts. Don't get, don't get us wrong. Go <laughs> uh, no, on, take it, Simon. You we, can go. We'll, we'll put that one in the can oh, for, yeah, for later on of the week. He's rattled. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm um, rattled. He's, rattled. He's a bit rattled. Uh, well, look, I mean, it's obviously Bayern Munich and going to go through. It wouldn't surprise me if it's a, a boring nil-nil draw between the two in the second leg in that one. I'm actually going to stick my neck out. I think Napoli are going to go through. Wow. I think they're going to beat Barcelona at the new Camp. There you go. You're calling that game. Have mm. you ever called a, a messy goal? I mean, you... Uh, You've got a stunning career. A lot of messy goals. So many things. A lot of messy. <laughs> no, I know what <laughs> yeah. you mean. Uh, yeah, I called. Um, he scored for Argentina against Australia in a friendly uh, in Melbourne, two thousand seven. He probably played in that, yeah. Luke. Yeah, so I have called a, a messy goal, but um, and lots of other messy, messy goals. Very good. <laughs> Teed you up for that one. You do. <laughs> you set them up, I'll knock them over. Exactly. Do you want to have another crack at predictions, Luke? Yeah, well, which game did you want me to predict? Uh, Chelsea Bayern? Chelsea Bayern, uh, all day long Bayern Munich. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's foregone conclusion seemingly, isn't it? They'll that, still score. It's, yeah. There's goals in it. Look at the players. Uh, the other one, I mean, Barca and Napoli is our feature game. It's our studio match. Could be anything. Yeah, but Barcelona at home still. I think Champions League. I, I I couldn't I couldn't go against them. Couldn't go against them. Although you know, look, I wouldn't be totally surprised given you know their form at the moment. But I still think Barca will be too good for them at home. Here's one to finish for you, Rich. Did you know that today, the Champions League qualifiers for twenty one twenty two started? Oh my god! And we're not <laughs> even finished this year's. One, yeah. How about that? That's going to be a historical first, doesn't it? In San Marino, a team from San Marino playing Linfield from Northern Ireland. Dear Lord. How about that? <laughs> don't, don't tell Frank Lampard. 
don't tell Frank. He'll, he he won't cope was, with that. I was well. going to ask Luke for a tip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he tips everyone else. He'll tip the Wollongong Wolves every week, and they had a good win yesterday, so well done to you and the Wolves. Uh, thanks, guys, for your company. Thanks to Jules and Dave as well. Uh, we will be here recapping every day, every match day in the Champions League on the Gagan Pod, in addition to our live coverage. It's been a privilege to have you with us, as always, and we'll see you next time. Between now and then, of course, make sure you enjoy your football. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.